Dentist and co-founder of Spotlight Oral Care, Dr. Vanessa Craven is on a mission to create the best oral health products. Stay with us as we learn just how they've gone from strength to strength to the forefront of the industry. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable in Maine has been an incredible journey so far, and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guest for today, Dr. Vanessa Craven. She is the co-founder, along with her sister, Dr. Lisa Craven, behind one of Ireland's fastest growing companies, Spotlight Oral Care. Since its launch in 2016, the brand has become one of the leading players in the oral care space and prizes itself on being the only range of dental products that is clinically proven, vegan, ocean safe, and 100% recyclable. As dentists themselves, Lisa and Vanessa have a particular edge with their first-hand insight into the needs and wants of their customers. It's truly empowering. They combine the latest innovations in oral care with high-performance ingredients, providing a customized experience for the best oral health at home. I'm so inspired by how Vanessa has tackled such a demanding job as a leading dentist and founder of her own business, and I cannot wait for a conversation today. So, Vanessa, thank you so much for being with us. Akash, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So I ask all my guests the same question I'm going to ask you. Who, in a nutshell, is Vanessa? So Vanessa, at the moment, is a very, very busy uh, mom of two under two, <laughs> trying to kind of keep it all together, uh, uh, working uh, when she can and uh, balancing it all <laughs> uh, with very little sleep. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel you. I feel that's something that I, I want to, I just got an aura ring and it's pretty scary because I'm seeing how little I'm sleeping and maybe I have that data I don't want to know, but I should know. Uh, but I feel you, it's hard. Uh, but that's the joy of building a company, right? Yeah, uh, When absolutely. you enjoy it, you can't really overwork. You just, I call it, we just have more fun, more, more, more overjoying is what you do when you build a company. So I, I kind of want to go a bit back to the beginning. So I would love to know kind of growing up, um, you and your sister, what was the dynamics like? Who's the elder one? Tell us a little about it. Yeah, so growing up, well, we come from a family of four siblings. So uh, ironically, or we're actually all dentists. So the four of us have all become dentists. But myself and my sister, Lisa, there's about seven years between us. So probably a significant age gap when you're, you know, kids. But as we've grown and as we've become teenagers and, and I suppose into our 20s and 30s, um, we are uh, have really kind of merged. Um, we're very close. I always refer to Lisa as like not only my business partner, but she's also my best friend. And um, there's very little I don't go to Lisa first about, whether it's personal or professional. 
emotional. Uh, Lisa's a mum of four as well. Uh, she has four kids. I have two. And even in that journey, she's been so pivotal and, and my first port of call and anything baby and mum related. So um, I think all through our both our professional and personal career, we've always worked really well together. We have very different strengths and weaknesses and we really um, can bounce off each other. Um, and so uh, that's kind of rung through as we've developed Spotlight. So kind of, I would love to know a little bit about how from, you know, dentistry to creating the brand, obviously it's in the oral care space, but was there like an aha moment for you that you were like, I think we need to create these products that are, you felt were missing in the industry? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think if you go back to, I suppose, pre-spotlight so pre-spotlight myself and Lisa were working in our own clinic it was a uh, a dental clinic in the west of Ireland and we were doing a range of dental treatments so right from basic fillings and cleanings right to veneers comps of bonding full mouth rehabilitations Invisalign and whitening and at that time uh, where we're located in Ireland it's very much a college based town we have a lot of students that come into us but we also have a, a huge range of people that come in right uh, and so people who are really investing uh, you know thousands of euro in their smile as opposed to the college student who wants to brighten their teeth for a night out and what we found running through the whole theme of our day and weeks and practice was people wanted to whiten their teeth they wanted to whiten their teeth at home. They weren't really, um, they, they, they might come into us initially to whiten their teeth, but they wanted an easy way to whiten their teeth at home. But trust and credibility were huge issues when it came to teeth whitening effectively at home. And as such, myself and Lisa sat down and said, we thought there was a huge need for, you know, dentist developed whitening that could be done at home that was specifically designed for anyone with sensitivity and that was at a really good price point as well because I think cost was coming into an issue when it came to whitening in the clinic as well and really ironically when we think about Spotlight it was only ever designed to be sold in our own dental clinic but I suppose we set off our website and it kind of spiraled from there and that's how it kind of evolved so it evolved very naturally. That's amazing I mean okay so first question I have um, is a, how was it initially like deciding to go into business with a sibling? Because as, as you know now, my, my brand is with my sister. And a lot of people ask me, did you always want to work with a sibling? Was it like um, easy? And I was like, I don't know. It kind of just happened organically. We fell into it. Uh, obviously, there are hiccups on the way as siblings as, and also as best friends. You fight, you, you have moments. But generally, yeah, it was such a smooth, organic flow. We'd love to know for you, uh, what was it like for you and Lisa? Yeah, I think it was very similar. You know, we never really sat down. And even when we built the practice together, it was never really a, a thoughtful decision. It was more of an organic decision. You know, I came to work with her in Galway. I graduated later, obviously, because I'm younger. Um, and even with Spotlight, you know, it was a very organic decision. I... You know, it's always a question we get asked. And I'm sure you, Akash, get asked it all the time as well. Like, why start a business with a sibling? Is that not a little bit dangerous or whatnot? First of all, I would always say, like, your family are, you know, there's there's so many unwritten rules with family. You know, they have your back. There's so much loyalty there. You know that they have your best interests at heart. You can be truly very authentically honest with your family. You know, you can 
cut through a lot of the, I, I would say, like waffle very quickly with family members. And I think that's actually some of the attributes that you need in a co-founder too. You need to have implicit trust. You need to have loyalty. You need to have them in the hard times along with the good times. Because as, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast, you know, the entrepreneur journey or the founder journey can be a very lonely journey. And as such, yeah. isn't it amazing to have a sibling and a best friend and someone that you can really know that will go to bat for you um, along that journey with you? And and that's been my experience with Lisa. Like we are sisters. So we have like we can have very tense conversations and then 20 minutes later be talking about like what are we doing this weekend? You know, so it's like it can flick that easily. And I think that's what you need in a co-founder. Oh, I couldn't that couldn't say it better myself. And uh, uh, one thing I would love to know also is so uh, fun factor. Uh, this is what Sephora says. I'm not sure if it, I'm I'm pretty sure it's accurate, but I don't know. Like you know, I just say I'm quoting from them. But we're technically the, in the US the first sibling founded brand ever at Sephora, um, which is this was like three years ago when we launched. But it's quite interesting. And I was shocked. I was like. Uh, why is you know no one going into business with their sibling? Have you found in in you know a in Ireland and in your industry um, like were people quite shocked to be like, hey, we actually haven't really heard of many sibling founded brands in this space. Oh, that's so interesting, isn't it? So you're the first Sephora-based brand that um, a sibling-based. Yeah. yeah, I actually don't know. Now that you mention it, I don't actually know that many brands that are founding with siblings. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I actually always say is they're more shocked that they have four. We are if the four or four siblings are all dentists, and the fact that me and yeah. went into business together, they're more like, what happened in your family that made you all be dentists? Did you have yeah. like some traumatic event or like was there like <laughs> are your are your parents dentists or anything like that? And actually no, like none of our uncles, aunts, parents are in the like medic or dental field whatsoever. So I think that's actually more shocking than founding a business. That is honestly, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's and that's especially knowing it was just a, like the, your generation of siblings just became, and I'm sure it was. Uh, yeah, one of those moments where you don't even realize when you're doing it, you probably had a moment after you're like, wait, we're all dentists. Like, how did this happen? You know, <laughs> I know, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, a little um, question I have there is, um, so obviously all four of you are dentists, was it like um, a conscious decision to kind of say, okay, two of us are going to go and create this business or do the other two siblings also get involved? Actually not. So when the the way that it worked is our brother and sister are also dentists. I actually just moved to Canada and one had moved to Australia. So they were actually out of the country when we started Spotlight. And yeah. we have very little dealings with them in terms of Spotlight. You know, they're really supportive yeah. of the brand and they're, you know, really vocal in terms of when we're developing any MPD of what we should have and have not in the product. You know, I yeah. think your your siblings can be your biggest advocates and your biggest critics, you know. So <laughs> So they're exactly. really helpful for that respect, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, we keep it kind of we keep it kind of casual at the weekends. 
I think that's good. And I think also then you might be a world's first, like a, a quadruple sibling founded dentist brand. I mean, oh, brand in general, that would be, uh, maybe there's a reason why that doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think so. I think two siblings is okay. I think four, you would never get anything done. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah, poor Christmas. Or holiday, that would be just like, already my parents are just like, stop talking about work. And we're like, okay. So yeah, if yeah. you can imagine. Um, but so the name Spotlight Oral Care, how did that come to be? Yeah, that's a really good um, a point. Um, spotlight was always something we said in practice. We used to have a spotlight on something every month or every whatever. It was what we were working on or what we were highlighting that month. And so the name Spotlight for me was always, you know, we always had a, um, a personal link to it. But also I really like the term spotlight when it comes to oral care because it's putting the spotlight on yourself, you know. Spotlight oral care, put you in the centre, you're whitening your teeth, you're you're investing in your oral care, whether it's your sonic toothbrush or your gum health or what that may be. And I think it's really true in terms of dentistry because there's a lot of shame and phobia when it comes to going to your dentist or having any dental work done. I always say, you you know, people come to the dentist and it's like they're going to confession or they're, they haven't been to the gym in six months. There's a lot of, you know, embarrassment, shame around it. And we always try and re- remove that stigma. So when you are getting any work done or when you are using Spotlight Oral Care products, we want you to feel empowered. We want you to put the focus back on yourself when you are going through that oral care journey. And I think that's something that has been missing when it comes to the oral care industry. 100%. No, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, can you tell us a little bit about also now the range of products and maybe the cadence of launching? Because you have an array of incredible, um, obviously, the tools and the, the brushes, but also um, kind of teeth whitening products and toothpaste. So just tell us a little bit, like paint a picture of what Spotlight Oral Care is all about. So as I mentioned, we initially launched with whitening. So whitening was our first and kind of first one to five SKUs. Um, and, and really at the heart of Spotlight Oral Care, we're very strong in terms of a whitening, uh, you know, history. But from that then, we really developed out in terms of real concerns or conditions when it comes to oral care. So as dentists, we would often feel like, you know, what was happening in our clinic was very disjointed with which was with what was happening in the oral care aisle. And what I mean by that is that, you know, your oral care treatments and concerns when you when you when you attend a clinic are very bespoke, very unique to yourself. I always say, you know, your oral health is vastly different to your sisters, as vastly different to your mom and and whoever else. But when you go down the oral care aisle in a grocer or a, a super value or a Tesco or whatnot that may be, they're very one size fits all, very generic, very bright white smile, minty fresh. And so for us, as we developed and evolved as a brand, we wanted. To to really create bespoke products that were really targeting concerns and that you really got a benefit and a, and a, and a result from. So very similar to hair care, oral care is very specific. So you can have gum conditions, you can have thinning teeth, you can have sensitivity, whatever that may be. And so we wanted to create a whole range of oral care products that were not only whitening, but that were specifically targeting concerns that were really bothering the patient uh, and not like blanketing everything as a one size fits all approach. Definitely. Did you have personally like um, some hero products or your personal favorite ones? I think my personal favorite 
you know, just from the results that we get are definitely the sonic toothbrush, the water flosser, um, because I think those devices can really change a person's um, regime. So I guess you mentioned at the start, like you were now, now you're using the sonic toothbrush and you've started to notice that your dentists have actually really noticed the results. And I think once someone moves to an electric or a sonic toothbrush, they're very rarely going to go back to a manual toothbrush. And the reason that is, is because it does all the work for you. Um, it's like having a, almost like a professional king at home. It's just vastly different to a manual toothbrush. And it's like what you're getting from it. And if you think about it, you're brushing your teeth twice a day for the rest of your life, hopefully. So like invest just a little bit in those devices that you're using every day to make a massive difference to your oral health long term. I couldn't agree more. I mean, also for me, I, I traditionally have been using a lot of just the standalone you know, toothbrushes. And it was actually, I, I did an Invisalign you know, treatment, had the wire put in. And then one of the bristles got stuck a few weeks ago in my wire. And then it kind of came out. And then I had to go pay x hundred pounds and i was like oh my god and then when you guys sent me this plot your sonic brush i was like okay this is like a godsend this is perfect timing to like and and also a, a slap on my wrist and a lesson learned okay like i need to now switch to this and be and, and honestly like sometimes we've invested in you know sonic brushes and we've done but we don't we're not consistent to it um mm. i think it's about kind of um just making sure like when you travel and stuff you also take it with you because that's the moments i think where you start to lose that kind of regime right um because you just end up taking like a disposable one or something um, absolutely so and, and people tend to actually ironically be much more aggressive with a manual toothbrush as opposed to a sonic so yeah. i'm not in any way surprised i used to find that all the time when uh, we used to do a ton of invisalign in practice and people would be scrubbing with a manual toothbrush and they would either cause yeah. a lot of gum recession or they would break the bars at the back of their teeth um so a sonic mm-hmm. toothbrush is just a lot more gentle but a lot actually more thorough as well yeah, no, exactly. Um, so I, I really want to talk a bit about your uh, recyclability, ocean safe, because um, these are really important topics and definitely very close to my heart as well. So tell us a little bit about, um, let's start with the recyclability part. So I think, you know, look, as dentists, we are very aware of how much single use plastic we use in clinic. I think, you know, yeah. in terms of cross infection control and obviously from COVID, everyone is super, super aware. And we are as dentists, super, super aware of cross infection control. But as an oral care industry as a whole, you know, we have a lot to answer for. You know, the oral care industry is still so stuck in like plastics and laminated plastic and what we've used like 50, 60 years ago. So like 99 percent of the mainstream oral care brands are not recyclable, are somewhere in this in this earth, whether it's the Pacific Ocean patch or in a landfill. So I often say to my patients, if you've ever used a mainstream toothpaste brand, that toothpaste tube is still somewhere in this environment. You know, and that really makes people think because the amount of waste that we have in our bathrooms is significant. So for us as a newer age oral care brand, it was really, really important for us that we were sustainable. Okay, yeah, I think that, you know, people love toothpaste, you know, in the gel form. Toothpaste tablets have tend to have a, a poor, I suppose, response from patients. You know, they just they always revert back. So instead of changing the customer's opinion, I said, why don't we create a toothpaste tube that is 100% recyclable and that it's now going to also be made from partially recycled plastic? So it's made in a carbon negative footprint. 
it's 100% recyclable and for that it's just easy for them to use you know um, so all you have to do is like cut off the bottom of it rinse it like your milk carton and throw it in your plastics um, that was really really important for us and then like following on from that all our floss is now made from recycled plastic bottles from the ocean as well and it's dipped in active ingredient and it's fully recyclable so I think we're looking at our um, sourcing journey all our products and packaging and seeing how can we kind of reduce as much as possible of the waste and everything that goes along with that because I think as oil care companies and as brands we have a lot to do to really move that shift in terms of the environmental footprint uh Amazing. I mean, this is, I, I'm going to make sure a lot of people are highlight that as a big part because it's exactly what most founders and brands need to be definitely abiding to. And we have to understand that it's a journey. It's not something that can be, mm-hmm. it's not always overnight. It can be, there's a lot of barriers to entry. It can be expensive. It can be a lot of uh, manpower. But at the same time, it's like setting yourself accountable to these, um, I guess, these decisions internally and, and I guess, um, um, like attributes to our brand that we can really, yeah, I think uh, set some goals that are tangible for us. Do you have a sort of like, uh, as we, as I said, it's a journey. Do you have like some twenty twenty five, you know, like five year plan goals that you you want to kind of also reach with Spotlight? Absolutely, and I'm, well, well, you know what? What I'm really passionate about is making it as easy as possible for our consumers to make mm. those sustainable efforts. And yeah. what I mean by that is that as an oral care brand, we could make it zero packaging and have everything in a, a tablet form, for example. And I know toothpaste yeah. tablets are really popular and I'm a huge fan of toothpaste tablets as well. But what I mean by that is compliance is a huge issue for the consumer. So yeah. what I want to do is gently guide our customers to make those better for you options in terms of the sustainability you know, yes. not go from zero to 100 in terms of a consumer. But if you're use, yeah. using a toothpaste in a gel form, move from a non-recyclable toothpaste tube to a recyclable toothpaste tube that's created in a carbon negative footprint. That is mm-hmm. so easy for the customer to change. It's not a huge behavioral change for them. And they are making a better option then. And then so for us as a brand, it's all about making it super easy for our um, customers to make that change. So as we move through it, you know, um, becoming PETA and vegan uh, approved was really important for us last year. You know, the uh, B Corp status is definitely on our horizon and something we're working towards as a company. Um, All like looking at every single element of our packaging and creating them in a carbon negative footprint is so, so important for us as well. And even looking at our electricals in terms of e-waste, how can we reduce Mm -hmm. packaging, reducing plugs, all of the um, re-swap, re-waste, you know, all of that, that is really, really important for us as a company. So yes, we have a lot of internal goals to make that change, to make that shift. And what, look, in one day, I would love to look back and say, we are entirely, entirely carbon negative and we are on that path as well. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, so I, I do now want to switch a little bit gears into you, Vanessa, and um, a little bit about, I guess, some of your ways that you keep yourself motivated and grounded as a founder. So do you have like a sort of routine that you follow um, that keeps you, I guess, you know, I guess not sleeping, as we said before? (laughs) I think what's really important as a founder is to set yearly, monthly and five-year goals. 
Um, and this is something that we've incorporated um, in it as a company. And I think it's really meant that we've really, you know, um, it's keeping us on a straight and narrow because I think that when you sit down as a management team and, and we will bring all our managers together and say, OK, what do we want to achieve next month? What do we want to achieve in a year and what do we want to achieve in five years? I think once you have that roadmap created, it's very easy for us all to follow along that line and actually have an end point. Um, so I think uh, goal setting is really, really important. And then some simple things that I like to do from a personal perspective is I like to set internal and personal goals for myself, not only just work, but also personally and lifestyle. Um, I do like to meditate every morning and evening. I think that's really, really important as a founder because, you know, yourself, there's like a thousand things in your brain. You could work all day long, every day for 24 hours and never achieve what you want to achieve. So you yeah. need to have some switch off time and, and some, you know, decompressing time and just to reflect on, on what's been achieved that day and what you want to achieve. And I think exercise is really important as well. I like to do some sort of movement every morning, whether it's a simple yoga or whether it's a hit or whether it's just a walk with the dogs, you know, just to, I suppose, spend that time outdoors um, to reflect and also to like nourish your physical well-being along with, you know, because as a founder, it's so easy to work all the hours in the day, but that just leads to burnout. And actually, it just leads to what I've found in the past is just fatigue. And then um, I think you need to set that good example for your whole team as well. Yep, exactly. Did you find sometimes that you, you know, we, we say that and then it's like, how do you bounce back when those days where we don't necessarily feel that because I, I I'm sometimes like super motivated and then I get those two days where I'm like eating burgers doing no gym and just like not being not taking care of myself and then sometimes I'm like okay don't be too hard on myself but it's hard right oh 100% and like look like I sound like I you know what it's a constant struggle and I would say you know I I always find as well when like the kids have been up at night and I've like the diet's gone out the window and the exercise's gone out the window forgive yourself and just move back on. You know what I mean? We're only human. We're trying our best. And that's what I always like to say to myself. You know, you're trying your best, whether your best is 120% that day or if it's 20% that day. If you have nothing left in your, you know, your, your engine and you're, you're just going on empty, that's okay too. Um, what I found over the last year, specifically since Lisa, my co-founder, has moved to the States. So she's moved to California so to head up our Californian office. Um, the switching off in the evening because they come on eight hours later has been really, mm. really difficult. And something that I constantly fail at. I'm saying, OK, I need to shut the laptop now. And she'll say, oh, I just need to ask you one more thing. But it could be 9 or 10 p.m. this time or over here. And so, like, I think like not holding you know if you do make that mistake just trying to revert back to okay what's your ideal what what do you want to achieve how do you want to live your life and not being too hard on yourself either exactly did, did you also find the pandemic how did, how was that like for you and, and and of course the business as well um was everything remote and did you is that when i guess spotlight or okay really started to boom because i guess was dentistry practices were, were open but i guess people were more invested in kind of at home oral health care right yeah i think the pandemic meant that 
people were looking at themselves a lot on the screen. So they were kind mm. of starting to really become aware of, you know, their smile, what they would like to change. So they became yeah. invested a lot more in the oral care. I think people became invested a lot more in the products that they were using. You know, they yes. were looking at the ingredients of the products. Okay, what, what's this product actually going to do? And, and what can I get from this product? I think from a company perspective, I mean, we all reverted to work from home. Mm. I have mixed feelings about working from home. I think it offers yeah, a lot of flexibility for people. You know, I think, you know, in terms of less commuting time and whatnot. But I think you miss out on certain team building, team exactly. morale. And yeah. I think people work longer and they work kind of happier, um, you know. Yeah, 100 percent. I think that, you know, coming back into an office, what that means is there's like a, there's I notice a huge difference when we're in the office. There's a, there's a morale, there's a culture boost. I think when we're all working from home, we can get fatigued and then we don't take our breaks. You know, we tend to work longer, but not more productive. And it means burnout. It means kind of, you know, we all get a little bit exasperated. So I'm really excited to get back into the office and just spend time with the team again, you know, and, and actually have conversations in real life as opposed to online. Uh, it's exactly the same. And because we start, we launched the company about two and a half years ago and it was the beginning of the pandemic, like day one, like boom, okay, lockdown. Uh, obviously the brand was built beforehand in terms of ideation, formulation, but the launch was the pandemic. Um, so it was interesting kind of hiring people, you know, from Zooms and then not seeing them. I actually saw my general manager for the first time after two years, like a month ago. It's kind of crazy. Um, she was in Spain. But um, now I was such an advocate for working from home. I was like, this is fine. Like we could always be forever hybrid. You saw all these big tech conglomerates just kind of like making all these new rules and, and the industry has sort of changed. But I can tell you now, like, I've just invested in the office. We've got nearly 35 employees. And I've just kind of had to say, look, two to three days a week mandatory, come in the office because it's going to be best for you guys. Like, I see it when we do our team lunches, when we do our team bonding, when we are in the office together. Even if efficiency is not fully there, like, you know, you guys are chatting and stuff. That's important yeah. because I need you guys to feel bonded with each other, communicate, connect. Uh, there's only so much you'll do. And then, honestly, it is, uh, if you... if people might prefer working from home, but people will start leaving after two mm. years of doing that. And I noticed that some people actually, one or two people that were still working from home, haven't come in the office. They're the ones that have just resigned, not the ones that have come in. So I think yeah. we're going to start seeing that. Um, uh, I, I am a hundred percent behind you on that. I think it was, you know, we talk about that. There's been a great resignation when it comes to the U S in particular, and I think that when we work from home, we lose the culture and community that an office can bring. And we're very similar to yourselves. We're saying, OK, how can we get back people back in the office? Not full time, but maybe two or three days a week would be really, really helpful. I think it's, it's more helpful for, for the team as opposed to the company. I completely exactly. agree. I, we have so many uh, we, we have people who say, OK, look, I need to work from home tomorrow because I have so much to get done. That's but what I think is it's a balance, you know, because I think it's the friendships, the relationships, they're like going for bat, going to bat for someone else, you know, in the office, like that morale. There's, mm. It's just, it's unparalleled when you think about working from home as to work, working in an office. And, you know, I don't think we become aware, you know, I even felt it myself. I was really like fatigued. I was like, oh, like, you know, just like, 
exasperated. But I realized it was because I was never leaving my house. I was working 14 hours a day and, Mm. you know, I was working unproductively. And then, you know, I couldn't socialize with anyone at the weekends because we were all locked down. So I think there's so much more that comes into play. And I I completely agree. Like so many of our team would say, I actually get more done at home, but it's really important for me to come to the office because it's like how I catch up with, you know, Claire, who's just had a wedding and like, how did she get on? And, you know, all of that small talk that we miss out on on Zoom. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I think hopefully uh, even the teams of ours, they're, they're starting to agree on that as well, which is, yeah, it's, we're, we're trying to like, I guess, navigate this uh, as a founder, this uh, pre-pandemic, during pandemic and post-pandemic. It's just a lot of different decisions and uh you know things some 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 things in our control some things not in our control but uh definitely i i think i'm on the same page with you on that i think when we're together in person so much more magic happens mm. so uh, yeah i'm excited to see so in terms of now i guess the future uh in terms of distribution etc so where are you currently where is currently spotlight oral care distributed around the world so we are in Ireland and the UK through, you know, big retailers in Ireland. We're in Boots in Ireland and the UK. We're in like major pharmacies in Ireland and the UK. Um, our biggest launch happened over the pandemic, same as yourselves. We launched into the US market. So yes. we're in 1200. Oh, it's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beast. And it's like, a, it's, a, it's a, a huge undertaking. Um, so we in the U are in the US market. We're in at uh, all Ulta doors, so 1,200 Ulta doors. We're in 7,000 CVS stores and we have a really exciting launch in a huge major retailer coming up in early 2023. Hence why one of our co-founders has now moved to the States. Um, and so, that you know, Ireland and the UK and the US are for us our biggest focus markets um, probably for the next five years, really. We don't really, you know, we don't really have huge expansion plans aside from that. I feel like if we crack those three markets, we're, we're doing well. Hundred uh, percent. One question I have, actually, just on that is: Have you, because have you hired a, a, a big team in the US, or is it quite like managing it from you know Ireland and then just working globally, but through the head office? Yeah, so we have hired a kind of core team of maybe about six in the US, and they're based in yeah. California. Um, and then a lot of our, um, I suppose, auxiliary work will be done from Ireland. So uh, yeah. our sourcing and logistics still runs from Ireland, or um, some of our financial runs from Ireland, or kind of PPC, paid social, SEO can still run from Ireland. But I think, yeah. you know, when it comes to the US market, there's just like Nate, like there's a native, you know, when people have worked in the um, the area and the um, mm-hmm. the sector for so long, there's like that native experience that we really lean on for our US our team members. Yeah. And like also our VP of sales is American um, or CFO is American or creative because there's like nuances that are specific for the US market that we wouldn't have been as familiar with over here. Exactly. And I think like for anyone starting a company, there is a lot of like solace to knowing that you can really be anywhere in the world and, and you know, launch a brand, even mm-hmm. go a bit global, but definitely for scaling, for market relevance, resonation and, and even penetration, you have to think local. And by thinking local, you've got to hire local. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously an investment. It's also can be difficult. I mean, I'm sure you know, 
where the U.S. hires are t- tend to be a, a lot more expensive in, in a way um, because of that's just the normal salaries, etc. Plus, you have all these like health insurance. It's a very different style to say UK, and then when I was in France, it's a very different game too. So it's also quite hard to think like globally in terms of all employees and how to like you know handle it from one HR system. But it is. Um, step by step, you know, gradual by gradual. Um, I, I now today have employees in Spain, uh, Middle East, uh, US, but, uh, but UK is the main hub. So yeah, it's nice yeah. to have a main hub. And you probably felt it yourself, Akesh, when you launched into Sephora in the States. You know, I think a, a launch into retail in the States is probably that pivotal moment where you're going to hire a yeah. core US team. You have to, yeah. Yeah. The amount of forms, the amount of day-to-day communication with the retailers. Um, and then after a while, I mean, jet lag or time difference, it's, 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 a, it's a struggle. You know, if I can avoid some of the PST times calls from being under, you know, our time zone, I would rather avoid it. Um, so, yeah, you have to hire local and, 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 and outsource certain things. And, and, that's, and that's like the art of delegation as a founder. Obviously, that does come to like a turning point of being able to afford hires and, you know, the business warrants the hires. But um, when you can, definitely do that. That's my advice. Um, and I'm sure you would say the same. Um, but kind of now, before we go into the fire round questions, I have one last question because I'm very curious. Um, how are you, you know, in terms of uh, tips for co-founders, siblings, mm. um, do you, you both have very separate role remits, correct? Yes. So we're very separate in terms of what our strengths lie. Like, so I would be very heavily involved in sourcing logistics operations. Um, And Lisa would be very, she's our current CMO. So she would be very attuned to how the brand should look, feel, sound, how it should look on shelf, what resonates, what's truly authentic to us. And she's really, really strong at, um, you know, portraying that out. And, and I think it's, you know, she has a really unique insight into what a patient and a customer also is concerned about when it comes to their own oral health from that years of experience from practice. And I think that's really strong yeah. when it comes to a marketing perspective, because she knows how a tone should sit when it comes to oral care, what people are looking mm-hmm. for from her experience as a dentist, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so my, my, my second fun question is, what advice, you know, having very clear role remit, um, what is like the one big advice you would give to not just siblings, co-founders, friends, it could be anything, but people who have a shared business to maintain, you know, after, is it six years now you're going strong? 26, yeah. 2016 you launched? Six, yeah. <laughs> six Coming years. Up to six That's years. amazing. So what's that one tip would you give to any people in business with others, someone else? You know what I always say is like stay in your lane. And what I mean by that is that my lane is operations, logistics, sourcing, NPD. It's probably the the unglamorous work. And (laughs) I love that. You know what I mean? And that is where my strengths lie. I'm really operationally driven. And Lisa, on the other hand, is so strong at like creative the tone, the feel, the packaging, the aesthetic, the the feel and the aura of the brand and how the brand resonates and how it's perceived. And we actually very rarely overlap. Ironically enough, you know, we work together, but we're actually very separate. And so I think that's really helpful as well as as you build your team, because your team will know who to go to for which and what. 
So as you exactly. as you break out, and I think what can happen is, and I've seen it, and sometimes myself and Lisa have learned this as well, is when we when we mingle, it kind of confuses the pot, you know? Yeah. Because you know, you as a startup and as a founder and as you expand, particularly in the US, you're kind of moving at quite a rapid pace. You need to kind of take ownership and go with it and trust that your your founder has that other side or that other cohort. And she can definitely link in. And if she has concerns or questions, she can say, OK, look, Vanessa, what do you think about this? But trust that she's got that mm-hmm. and that you have your own because what happens is if you're if you're all over everything, I think things tend to fall between stools. And I think you said it nail on the head as well. Like your team, it's it's not only was it healthy for the as as co-founders, but also for the people to know in your organization, but also your stakeholders, whether it's your retailers, whether mm. it's your freelancers. You know, um, they it's it's helpful for them to know. Okay, who is the who is my main point of contact, eh? But also, who is the decision maker? Because if sometimes both of you are deciding, it can also not get decided and then it gets delayed right and that's actually happened quite a few times with me and Nikki uh, mm. mainly because also we are I'm quite creative um, so in the first year like I was also like she's the creative director I'm the CEO but I love creativity like I you know I did art growing up but I also love math and physics and the non-glamorous side of the finance and MPD and logistics and merchandising I love that so I kind of took more of that role of course my sister more the creative role but then over time I was i I, I, I put the flag up. Like I was going in and saying, mm, I don't like that. Let's change the color. Let's do this. And I realized, you know, she was listening to me and she was very open, but I was slowing things down. And I was like, but well, you know, if I just allowed her just to have the final say, I have more time for me to just to do what I need to do because that's my lane. And also she's empowered, right? She feels motivated to feel ownership. And also the team is clear. So only really this year is when I kind of read, I did a job description for me and I was like, Akash, go back in your yeah. lane. So yeah. it was but, important. You know, we would say the same, you know, we have, we've, yeah. we've stayed in our lanes because we haven't stayed in our lanes and we've seen the consequences, exactly. you know? Exactly. So it's only from learning that, and I remember exactly. one of our senior managers came to us and said, you're slowing things down. We don't know who to go to, you know, you're crossing over. And actually that was a real wake up. That was a real learning for myself and Lisa. We said, okay, look, we'll stay in our lanes. We'll, you know, we'll divide and conquer, if you will. Yeah. No, I love, oh, thanks for sharing that. I I love asking that question because it was like, I think both just maybe selfishly, I'm like, I wanted to hear that. So I feel even better. It's such a good (laughs) advice. Um, Okay. So we have fire round questions, but I have a desert island question. I kind of already asked you this before. It was a bit cheeky, but I'll ask you again. I'm inviting you to a founder beauty retreat, but I'm being very strict. I'm saying, Vanessa, you can only take one, only one spotlight oral care product. So I know a few of your go-tos, but what is that one that you would take with you? The, the Sonic toothbrush, because it's yeah. going to just, it's just a game changer when it comes to your oral care. I've yet mm. to see any patient or any customer who said, oh, I regret buying the Sonic toothbrush. So it has to be the Sonic. Are you, are you white, rose gold or gray? I'm a bit of rose gold, you know. Bit of sparkle. Mm, nice. If I'm on a desert island, I want a little pick me yeah, up. I, <laughs> I like that. Okay, so now, um, fire round question. First thing that comes to mind. So the first question is, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving? One of the um, we have an amazing woman who sits on our board. Her name is Ju Ryu, and she has created a brand that's called She's Hero amazing. Cosmetics. She yeah, is she's phenomenal. the one that actually introduced me to Lisa via email um, after I did a podcast with her. And she is the best Jew. She is amazing. 
She is. Uh, I am. You know, Lisa always says. You know, I think she's like genuinely a huge mentor to me, and I think the brand that she's created is phenomenal. And her pimple patches are just an incredible product. So. To be fair, I think she's just like hitting it out of the park. And if I was like a tenth of what she is doing, I would be a very happy lady. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, and yeah, she is, I mean, what and what Hero has done to the industry and, and it's just incredible. It's amazing. Incredible um, in such a short period of time, you know, like 2017 launch and just like, oh, and so humble yeah. and just so, so practical and, and has been like an incredible support to us. Oh, that's amazing. Um, next question is, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? Well, considering I have never missed an episode of Love Island, I'm going to have to see Love Island. <laughs> I love that, like, you know, switch off TV. I am obsessed yeah. with any reality TV show. So Love Island was my hidden Love pleasure. Island. Nice. Uh, well, what are you currently watching or reading? I know Love Island is finished, so I guess not that, but. Yeah, what are you currently watching or reading? You know, I actually am currently reading uh, Life, I think it's called Life Force by Tony Robbins. It's a new book on all about like longevity and how to improve your overall well-being. It's an amazing book. I think everyone should read it. Very cool. Uh, I'll put it down. Um, do you have a favorite social media platform right now? TikTok. I would spend hours on TikTok and it's so addictive. Um, I it's love it. so addictive. Yeah, I know. And it's, and it's really good for business. Have you found it really useful for Spotlight? Really helpful for Spotlight. And particularly in the US market, we found it really, really effective. We've had some of yeah. our products go viral and like we noticed an immediate pickup on in terms yeah. of brand awareness and sales. And what I love about that is as well, it's not like that typical, like here's a checkout code, here's a link to buy. It's just like, organic google searches people really interested and it's a lot more intentional purchases absolutely and there's less sales and less selling on it exactly less it's less salesy more inspiring i think I like yeah that. um next question is do you have a favorite quote or a mantra oh um there's a really good quote and i i'm going to completely mess it up but it's something along the lines if if you're in hot water don't stop keep going you know so if if life is tough you know, okay, you can stop and say life is tough, but you just need to keep getting through that. And I think that's really apt when it comes to business and entrepreneur Definitely. journey, because we all go through those hiccups and those bad patches. But what you need to do is just keep on going. Yeah. And don't, I mean, if you stay still and you stop, it's going to be a problem. You've got to keep on going and learn and learn from it. Exactly. So yeah. very, very important. My last question is, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, a dentist, what would Vanessa be doing right now? Oh, my God. I would probably be at home minding my babies. Um, I have a beautiful four-month-old boy. Uh, we had him in um, April. So um, I am currently kind of juggling a maternity leave at the moment. Um, so if I wasn't doing Spotlight or working in the practice, I would probably be just doting and loving him oh. which i'm doing along with which you're doing anyway yeah exactly oh i love it you just need more more of it yeah I it. more oh. of it like, you can never have enough baby cuddles. you can never have enough exactly um well vanessa it's been an absolute pleasure um i would love for everyone to be able to continue following your journey and the brand so what is your socials and what is your brand social as well spotlight social yeah so you can find us on instagram tiktok twitter and linkedin at spotlight oil care I'll put all the, um, the links 
in the summer, so people can just go tap straight away. And we need to do a reunion very soon. Maybe we'll get Drew involved as well, either in Paris or somewhere. Yeah. But uh, if not, when I'm next in Ireland visiting my friend Ashley, I'll come to, I'll probably be in Galway because I have been a few times. I'll, I'll let you know. Oh my um, God, do. Yeah. We would love we, to Or we get up. cliff jumping in Hull. Yeah. Yeah. I've been all over Ireland, so I'll, I'll hit you up next time I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. I'll kind of do that. Perfect one. Speak very soon. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. <laughs>